Hello. My commander requests the presence of your captain in order to negotiate a ceasefire. You will come aboard our ship via shuttlecraft. Your refusal would be unwise. in 15 minutes. Evacuate the crew. Sir, we can... There is no help for us out here. Use autopilot. Get off the ship. Aye, Captain. You're Captain now, Mr. Kirk. Even if you're not a Trekkie, you know about Star Trek. All right. We saw the scene there that the uh, Federation starship, the USS Kelvin, is attacked and eventually gets destroyed. But before that, George Kirk, okay, which is who we know, Captain Kirk, right? It's his father. George Kirk ends up saving much of the crew's life, and uh, including his wife and his newborn son, James Kirk, there on the ship. And uh, who becomes the main character, right? So we all know about that. Now, what I thought about um, this movie that I liked about it, because I wanted, I felt led to preach to you about the church. And so I'm a Trekkie, right? I grew up with that as a kid. And I can I can do the sign and everything. So that shows you how bad I, if you don't even know what I'm doing, you're good. You're all right. And, uh, but, uh, can we get a little more light if you don't mind? Can we get a little more light? I'm, I'm not like Doug. I don't mind the, the bright light. Thank you, sir. Um, but it, it's, uh, it has the same kind of connection. And that is, there's this federation, right? The federation is made up, it's, it's a collective group of individual people groups that make up the whole. And it's the same as the church. You know, when in the Bible it talks about the church, it's true. This is the collective church, all Christian believers all over the world that ever lived and ever will live. But then there's also the individual body of believers, what we call the local church. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Um, now, the church is defined as a called out assembly. Okay, it's the word that's used to translate church. That's what that word means, a called out assembly. Matter of fact, the Greeks use that word all the time for all kinds of things. And when God plucked that word and chose to use that word to represent his people, it, it, was, it was very significant. 
Okay. Now, out of the 117 times in the New Testament that the word church or churches is used, okay, 92 times there's no doubt that he was referring to a local New Testament body of believers. 25 times um, there's references to the church, and and even those times it might be the collective church, they call it the universal church. But there's even times if some of those references, it can be implied to mean that local New Testament church. It all depends on how you read that passage. So the emphasis of the New Testament is the local New Testament body of gathered believers. Okay. Now I'm not trying to take away from the church and all the Christians around the world, but the pastor over in Haiti cannot help me all right. When I'm struggling in my marriage, it's not him that I call up. It's not those faithful Christians over there in China who some of them are giving their lives. And, and actually, in some of them in the Muslim countries, they're, they're Christians persecuted and, and dying for the Lord. As grand as that is, it's not that brother or sister that I'm going to whenever I'm in my deepest, darkest moment of time. It's the people here at New Life. And so that's why the Lord emphasized that local church. Okay? It's a called out body of believers. Acts chapter 11 says, And when he had found him, talking about when Barnabas had found Paul, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a while, for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So I like that little phrase there because the word church is assembly. So they assembled with the assembly. Okay, they assembled with the assembly. So I I really want us to see how important the church is. And that's kind of what the next clip is. Um, The next clip is we we meet Jim Kirk, all right? Um, He's not yet in... Enrolled in Starfleet, he's kind of a, a, a misfit, uh, and he gets himself in a, in a bar fight, and uh, this is what happens. Outside, all of you. Now. Yes, sir. Three. You all right, son? You can whistle really loud, you know that? Three times. No, I couldn't believe it when the bartender told me who you are. Yeah, my Captain Pike. Your father's son. Can I get another one? For my dissertation, I was assigned to USS Kelvin. Something I admired about your dad. He didn't believe in no-win scenarios. Sure learned his lesson. Well, it depends on how you define winning. You're here, aren't you? Thanks. You know, that instinct to leap without looking, that was his nature, too. And in my opinion, some Starfleet's lost. Why are you talking to me, man? Because I looked up your file while you were drooling on the floor. Your aptitude tests are off the charts, so what is it? You like being the only genius-level repeat offender in the Midwest? Maybe I love it. So your dad dies, you can settle for a less than ordinary life. Or do you feel like you were meant for something better? Something special. Enlist in Starfleet. Enlist? 
guys must be way down in your recruiting quota for the month. If you're half the man your father was, Jim, Starfleet could use you. You can be an officer in four years. You can have your own ship in eight. You understand what the Federation is, don't you? It's important. It's a peacekeeping and humanitarian armada. We done? I'm done. Riverside Shipyard. Shuttle for new recruits leaves tomorrow, 0800. Your father was captain of a starship for 12 minutes. He saved 800 lives, including your mother's and yours. I dare you to do better. Uh, the key the key word there, what he said was that the Starfleet was important. And just like the church, you know, the church is important. The church is important to Christ. It wasn't created by a bunch of preachers that want to make some make a living. That's not what the church is. It was created by the Lord. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to the flock. And this is Paul admonishing the church there. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You know, the Lord bought the church. In our financial peace class, it's kind of funny because he talked about back in the day. Remember back in the day we used to have um, checkbooks? Maybe some of you still have those. You remember trying to balance that checkbook? I don't know how many fights I got into trying to balance that checkbook. You know, where, where's, who wrote, who wrote 105? I mean, one, oh, I wrote 105. Oh man, you know, and boy, just trying to balance that crazy thing. But you know, he said, I could take that checkbook. He said, and I can look in there and see what you spend your money on. I could tell you what you love. I could tell you where your heart's at. You see that? And Christ, his heart was in the church. He gave himself for it. He purchased it. Have you ever paid for something? Had, you know, uh, something that uh, cost you a lot of money? Maybe it was great pain to acquire what you wanted. Maybe it's something, you know, it could be something that's, maybe it's a boat or a car or a house or something that you went to great lengths and sacrifices to get that. When Christ gave himself. For the church. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Now see that? And there's, it's going to become important later on about this parallel between a husband and wife and Christ and the church. God just didn't do that just because it made a good illustration. There's a reason. He said, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, you know, that giving of himself is more, and, and I always say this, it's more than his death, which again is a, is a grand thing that Christ gave his life. But you see, Christ didn't come down the week before the crucifixion and walked around for a week and then died. 
He came and was born as a babe and grew up through life for 33 years where he sweat and he was hungry and he was tired. And the Bible says that he went through all the trials yet without sin that we go through that he might be able to comfort us in our need of comfort. So he gave himself, his whole self. And I'm, and I'm lucky if I give the Lord an hour. And if Doug preaches a little bit longer, I'm like, man, Doug, it's after 11, man. Right? You're lucky to get me here twice a week. Right? For a ministry or men's ministry or women's or a study or small groups. And the Bible says that I'm supposed to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which also is Christ Jesus. So if Christ loved the church, I should have a love for the church too. Now remember, the church is not these four walls. The church is you. You are the church. I'm the church. Okay? Where, where is what, what makes up this, this body of believers? And as Christ died for you, and he loved you. The Lord loved me and all my misfit. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the nuttiest person you probably ever meet. I've done some dumb things. Matter of fact, I did something kind of really, 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 really dumb. I didn't even tell my wife about it for a couple of weeks. I just couldn't bear to tell her because <laughs> I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I was such a dummy, man. I'm just a knucklehead. But Christ loves me. And he died for me. You see? I love this saying that says, you know, if you're the only person who's ever born, Christ, Christ would die for you. If you're the only person. Christ didn't die because he saw, well, man, there's a lot of people. Man, you know. No, if you were the only one, he would die for you. And he did. So not only is it important to Christ, but it's also imperative for the believer. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 Okay, it says not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So the word there manner means your character is the word ethos. It means your character. It's it's what's used to describe you. Now, have you ever been in Walmart pushing one of the buggies that has the kick little wheel to it? You go. Right? And then around the corner comes that person that you immediately, before they see you, and off you go. Just a wheel clacking, and you're just, man, you're, you're, you're gone. Why? Because, because of that person's character, of who they are. Maybe they're a complainer. Maybe they're a griper. Maybe they're a gossiper. Maybe they're just plain annoying. I don't know. Hopefully that wasn't me that you saw when you turned and ran. Probably was. Oh, man, there's Casey. But the word here, manner, means it's your character. Is your character to miss church? Is that your character? 
when a little storm comes up, do you, do you miss church? If you had a little less sleep that night, do you miss church? You know? I mean, I'll stay up and go to a movie because my son gets me in free because he works there. And I'll get out at 1230 at night, that is, right, in the morning, 1230 a.m. And I'll still get up at 5 to go to work. But, man, if I don't get eight hours sleep before Sunday morning, I'm not coming, right? See, what's my character? Is it, what's your character? Are you, a, are you a church misser? Is that your character? And Paul admonishes us and he says, hey, look, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You need each other. And we're going to see that later on too. Now he says here, so much as you see the day approaching. Now Paul said that 2,000 years ago. Man, that day's 2,000 years closer. Ever the more we need to be together in this church with each other. In Ephesians chapter 5, 31, it says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, there's again, there's that husband and wife, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. Now, again, he is talking about that unity between a husband and wife, how, how, they, are, how they are one. God makes them that way. But he says this, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You know, there is something about, there is a unity that cannot be explained between Christ and the church. It's supernatural. Now, it's not only uh, this, you know, that Christ has a unity, uh, a oneness with all believers. That's true. He does. But it's really the actual assembly when that, when that group of believers comes together. And he, in Matthew chapter 18, Christ said this, verse 20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, see, I am there in the midst of them. There's a unity and a fellowship that is unique between Christ and the local church. When we meet together, I don't know about you, but I already heard John sing that song once this morning and I still cried and got choked up just like him, man. I I don't, could you feel that the spirit there? Now I know you get some good fellowship with the Lord, but you don't get that driving in your car down the road. It's not like that. I mean, yes, you have that fellowship, but God says, I come down there in a special way when you guys meet together. It's imperative for believers, the, the local church, to be a part of it. Okay? Now, this next clip here, um, the planet Vulcan is, is going to be attacked and all that, and the cadets are assigned to various ships, and this is kind of what happens here. Rodnero, seven Federation ships are on their way. Jim, what's going on? Jim, come back! Kirk, how the hell did you get on board the Enterprise? Uh, Captain, this man's under the influence of severe Mr. reactions Bones, to a vaccine. Bones, He's completely delusional. Vulcan is not experiencing a natural disaster. It's being attacked by Romulans. Romulans. Cadet Kirk, I think you've had enough attention for one day. McCoy, take him back to medical. We'll have words later. I Captain. Look, sir, that's same anomaly. Mr. Kirk, Mr. Kirk is not clear to be aboard this Look, vessel. Look, I get it. You're I a great I'd love to do it again with you, too. No way I can remove it, the cadet. Try it. This Kirk. cadet is trying to save the bridge. By recommending a full stop mid-war 
during a rescue mission. It's not a rescue mission. Listen to me. It's an attack. Based on what facts? That same anomaly, a lightning storm in space that we saw today, also occurred on the day of my birth, before a Romulan ship attacked the USS Kelvin. You know that, sir. I read your dissertation. That ship, which had formidable and advanced weaponry, was never seen or heard from again. The Kelvin attack took place on the edge of Klingon space, and in 2300 hours last night, there was an attack. 47 Klingon warbirds destroyed by Romulans, sir, and it was reported that the Romulans were in one ship, one massive ship. And you know this Klingon attack, how? Sir, I intercepted and translated the message myself. Kirk's report is accurate. We're warping into a trap, sir. The Romulan's waiting for us. I promise you that. The cadet's logic is sound. And Lieutenant Uhura is unmatched in xenolinguistics. We would be wise to accept her conclusion. Scan Vulcan space. Check for any transmissions in Romulan. Uh, sir, I'm not sure I can distinguish the Romulan language from Vulcan. What about you? Do you speak Romulan, cadet? Uhura. All three dialects, sir. Uhura. Relieve the lieutenant. Yes, sir. So we see the benefits of the selective group. Okay, these people were chosen to be, and we all know them, you know, on Star Trek. Uh, on the Enterprise, especially the ship. And then, but we see how, the, how they complement each other, even their strengths and, and weaknesses. And the same is, is true with the church, that the church has selected members. Now, remember, the majority of the New Testament refers to the church to the local body of believers. That's the emphasis, the called out assembly, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, it says this, now, now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. God set your membership. And God should be setting, that's to, to place or to put, to determine God sets who goes where. That's how it should be. You should be a member of this church because God puts you in this church. Not because you like the music or you like Doug's preaching or you like the comfortable chairs that we have. You've been in some Baptist churches and some of their views. <laughs> That's a comfy chair you have there. But that shouldn't be the reason why you come to church here. It should be because God put you here. Now, I've had this story before, and, and my wife, we, she, she helps me. because She's like, man, you've told that story before. I know, but this is a good story, and i got to tell it again, okay? So this guy, deserted. He was stranded on an island for years and years and years. Well, they finally rescued him. And when they got there... On this island, all by himself, there's all these buildings everywhere. And they asked him, what in the world are all these buildings for? He's like, well, I didn't have a Wilson to talk to, right, to keep my sanity. So I try to make things just as normal as possible. Uh, so I built all these buildings and lived my life. And they said, well, what's that building over there, that little bitty building? Well, that's my house. I, I, I live in a modest home, and I, you know, I don't like all the extravagant stuff, too much to clean. So I keep it, keep it small. He said, well, what's that building over there? Oh, that's where I go to eat. That's my restaurant. I go there every once in a while, you know, when I can afford it. And I, you know, have something to eat there, cook myself something special. And, and I do that. And they said, well, what's that big building with the stacks over there? Oh, that's where I go to work. That's my job. I go there to do all my works and all, all the things that I do on the island. They said, well, what's that building over there? He said, oh, well, that's where I go to church. That's where I worship the Lord. And I go there every week 
every Sunday and I meditate and I worship the Lord. And they said, well, what's that other building over there with the steeple? He said, that's where I used to go to church. Okay. But isn't that true? Isn't that true? Isn't that how we are? If I just don't like how things are done there, I'll just go find me another church. If I just, uh, you know, don't think um, they're very friendly, then I'm just going to go find someplace else. I just, you know, don't like the way the music may be a little bit too loud, or I just don't like this and that and that and this. To be honest with you, it's not your choice to choose. Now, I have been a member of different churches. I was a member of a church in town before I came here. But I'll tell you this, though. This is the one thing the Lord has shown me about how important the church is and that God places me that we prayed for a year. We knew a year in advance, I guess you could say, that God was moving us. God was preparing us and saying, I I want you to go to a different place to serve me. So a year. And I told my wife, we've we got to make sure this is God. Because I don't want to be out of the will of God and a church I'm not supposed to be in. Because I've done that before. You know? <clears throat> and we came, we went to a couple of the different churches. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I didn't like the contemporary Christian music they were playing. Because I didn't listen to contemporary Christian music. I was from an independent fundamental Baptist church. And I walked into this church and I heard it was John that invited my wife because he worked with her. And I tell you, I heard the music and I heard the preaching and I knew that day I told her, this is our church. This is it. And we have grown in this church we have flourished in this church saved my marriage but it's not the four walls that did that it was you it was you so you know you're you're put in a church for a reason you're selected by god okay he has a he has a reason for that Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, so God gives us what he gives us, the gifts and our talents, so that we can profit each other. He says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So God gifts you and empowers you because he has a place and a purpose for you in that assembly to do something. So you're selected by God to be here. This is where God wants you to be. That's why he likened it to a, to a marriage because it, it's like it, it, you just don't leave because you don't like it. You don't leave because it's, you're not happy. You don't leave because things are, are a little tough. There's scriptural reasons to a marriage has to end or you know a person has a right. There, there are scriptural reasons. And there's scriptural reasons when it's time to Move to another church. But it shouldn't just be because of yourself. God is the one that chooses. All right, now this next clip, Spock, 
steps down as the acting captain. And Kirk is next in command. And, and the bad guy, Nemo, Captain Nemo, as we saw, is uh, heading to Earth. So let's see what happens. Yeah, we do. What? Pike made him first officer. you got to be kidding me. Thanks for the support. I sure hope you know what you're doing, Captain. So do I. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. Mr. Spock has resigned commission and advanced me to acting captain. I know you're all expecting to regroup with the fleet, but I'm ordering a pursuit course of the enemy ship to Earth. I want all departments of battle stations ready in ten minutes. Either we're going down, or they are. Kirk out. Speak your mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. I am as conflicted as I once was as a child. You will always be a child of two worlds. I am grateful for this. And for you. Ship undetected. And just go in there, guns blazing, Jim. I'm telling you, the math doesn't. Check out. What is it? Based on the radar scores from Wilkin, I have projected that Nero will travel past Saturn. Like you said, we need to stay invisible to Nero or he'll destroy us. If Mr. Scott can get us to warp factor 4 and if we drop out of warp behind one of Saturn's moons, say Titan, mm. the magnetic distortion from the planet's rings will make us invisible to Nero's sensors. From there, as long as the drill is not activated, we can beam aboard the enemy ship. Aye, that might work. <laughs> Wait a minute, kid. How old are you? 17, sir. Oh, oh good. He's 17. All right, Spock comes back. So in that scene, we saw how they kind of found their purpose. They all, each of them kind of worked together and they found the purpose instead of running and hiding like they were told to do at first. Kirk says, no, we're going to go and we're going to face the enemy and we're going to die trying. So in the same sense as the church has an ordained purpose, you know, we have something that we've been commissioned to do. In Matthew chapter 28, it says, go, that's a command. Therefore, and make disciples, that's another command, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And some translation, in the world. So that's a command. We have, we have an, an ordained purpose to go and to make a difference and see people saved in this world. Now, do you know that you might be the only church that some people ever experience? Now, I work for the prison, 
And you think some of those convicts are rough. Man, you talk to some of them officers. <laughs> <laughs> this is a rough bunch of people. You've got to have a rough bunch of people to take care of a rough bunch of people. And some of them people wouldn't step in this church. Even this church is as kind of loose as we are and, and easygoing and graceful. No, they ain't going to step foot in here. And, you know, I, I had to come to terms that I'm the only church that they might ever experience. I have a purpose, man. It's not just, yeah, God knows I have to go there to you know work and pay the bills and do what I do, but I've got a job there. I have an ordained purpose to be a light, to be a, a, an influence to them, to, to make a difference. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, 15, it says, but if I am delayed, Paul tells us to Timothy, I write so that you may know how that you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, in those times, you know, and they used a lot of the things that were that they saw every day. You know, God says that you, know, you are the temple of God. You know, God bought you the price. You're you're the temple of God. Glorify God in your body because you, you know you're you're God's temple. So when you see the Greek temple, they have the Roof, right, which is the truth, and then it's held up by all these columns. But not only is the church the columns that hold it up, but it's the foundation. It says the ground, the pillar, and the ground that it sits on. I mean, we're supposed to be holders, hold forth the truth. People ought to be able to look at us despite our faults and despite our shortcomings and despite some of the dumb things we do and say, oh, hey, see that guy, that see that lady? They're a Christian. That's what ought to be said about us. So we have an ordained purpose. We have uh, something we, we have to do for God. Are we doing it? Is this church doing it? It's a sobering thought. Now this next clip... Um, the crew of the Enterprise, you know, we see them work together, and they're gonna. It's gonna lead into a, a young Spock encountering the old Spock.
father. I am not our father. There are so few Vulcans left, we cannot afford to ignore each other. Then why did you send Kirk aboard when you alone could have explained the truth? Because you needed each other. I could not deprive you of the revelation of all that you could accomplish together, of a friendship that will define you both in ways you cannot yet realize. How did you persuade him to keep your secret? He inferred that universe-ending paradoxes would ensue should he break his promise. You lied. Oh, I... I implied. A gamble? An act of faith. One I hope that you'll repeat in the future at Starfleet. In the face of extinction, it is only logical I resign my Starfleet commission and help rebuild our race. And yet you can be in two places at once. I urge you to remain in Starfleet. I have already located a suitable planet on which to establish a Vulcan colony. Spock, in this case, do yourself a favor. Put aside logic. Do what feels right. right, Really, really important what he said. He said, you need each other. He said, the reason I did what I did is because you needed each other. You guys needed to create friendships that couldn't be created without you going through what you went through. And the same is for here in the church. And as you know, the church is to benefit its members. You know, the reason why God had you here is because I need you. And you might not like this, but you need me too. And all my goofiness. Even you, Nicole. You know that? We're here to, God created the church to benefit each other. Our strengths and and weaknesses are there to balance and help each other out. I need you. You need me. We need each other. And God put us here together for that. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Okay? I need you to help stir up love. Love for, you know, because it happens. Love for my wife. Love for my friends. Love for my job. You know, the love for the work. And he says they're in good works. You know, I, I need you to encourage me. I need you to encourage me. And you need that from everybody else. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 11 says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. So there's comforting one another. Again, it, it's not that Christian over in China that can comfort me. You know, it, it's it's you that I, I text or I call and say, hey, man, I, I need you to pray for me. And that's what it was supposed to be. And uh, and this is not a shame shameless plug, but I'm telling you, the key to getting involved and making friendships is small groups. I cannot emphasize that. I would never, ever had said that out of the 25 years, 30 years I've been in the ministry. I never would have thought that and said that until I came to this church and got involved in a small group. Because that's what changed us. That's We made those friendships. We made those connections. And, and we really got our roots stuck in this church. And if you don't really feel a part of the church, and, and it, hey, that's understandable. 
We see each other about an hour or so. You need to get in a small group. Okay, and or one of the ministries that they meet, the ladies' ministry or the men's ministry, and get involved with people. Make some friendships. Now this last clip here, we're done. It leads up um, to Captain Nemo um, taking Captain Pike hostage. Okay, so that's what it is. We, we see they're really up close uh, dealing with the, the enemy of Starfleet at that time, with that Captain Nemo. And again, just in the same way, you know, the church has an enemy. It's aimed at its destroy, destroying it. He talked about in this clip, he said, you know, he was, he was going to destroy all the Federation. You know, there, there is, an, there is an, a real person is the way to describe him, uh, a real entity. It's not a force. It's not an ideology. There is a real person out there seeking to destroy this church and destroy you. And he knows that you getting involved in a church could help your marriage, could help your sanity, could help your finances, could help your children. And he don't want that. So he seeks to get you not to be connected with the church, to get get you out, get you by yourself. Look at First Peter. Uh, we'll do the second one. First Peter five verse eight. First Peter five eight says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour." 
But, and there's so many things and that's a whole sermon all on its own. But the idea is that, you know what? Satan wants to get you alone. Just like that lion gets that prey alone. That's what he does. He kind of, he clips the one, you know, spots the one that's weak and it's, it's going to fall behind. It's not where it should be. And that's the one that he goes after. And sometimes you, if you see the films, it runs by a couple others. It was right there, but it's got its eyes focused on this one because it knows it's weak. And no, it's got a better chance and runs right past these others to get this one over here. Now I'm telling you, that's what the, that's what the devil's doing. He wants to clip you out of the church and get you disconnected and get you where you don't have friends and you don't have strength and you don't have comfort. You don't have anybody edifying you and exhorting you and encouraging you, someone to turn to, and he wants to get you. And you have to see that. You need the local church. You need these people. This is where God has you. You need us. If God may be your visitor and you're in another church, boy, you need your church. Where God's placed you, you need them. And they need you. So that's just what I wanted to give to you about, just got impressed upon my heart about just the, the need for being faithful to wherever God has selected us to be a member of in our local churches. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. God, again, we want to thank you, Lord, that you are a a God of grace and a God of patience and loving kindness, Lord. I pray, Lord, give us the heart of Christ. Give us the mind of Christ that we might love your church, Lord, and and give up some things for it, Lord, that we might um, just be an active part in what goes on. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.